The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen and I did uh, do my homework and rank my albums. All right. Now, I've got a question about that. Okay. Am I supposed to rank Lost Dogs? Um, that is up to your discretion if you want to do that. Um, however, I will tell you that nobody else has done that. I noticed that, but we are doing a Lost Dog song, and it feels kind of cheating to mm-hmm. be talking about Lost Dogs and not actually rank it. I don't know. Like I said, it's it's up to it's up to you. So somebody put Merkin Ball in their rankings, which was just way op. Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna keep it in then. I did I did two versions of the rankings, one in, one oh, out. Okay. Well, that wouldn't change anything above or below it if you don't include it, will it? No, it wouldn't. Oh. <laughs> no, ev- everything is different. The number one is different. The number 11 is different. Everything. <laughs> you take that one album out, and it just skews the whole the whole scale of it all. Yeah. Anything else going on with you, man? Or are you just living life? Yeah, just, oh, uh, Pearl Jam played, their, played a show last night for the first time in three years. I heard that, and I saw a video on YouTube of Super Blood Wolf Moon Live. I'm not watching any mm-hmm. of that until next July. Because ah, you're going to be there, right? That's right. I'm holding out. You're edging. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like Sting, man. <laughs> How did that become the thing that Sting is known for? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, great songs in The Police, great solo career. And the one thing that everyone knows Sting for is, oh, yeah, he's into tantric sex. Well, the one thing that pe- people know about Wilt Chamberlain, you know? Well, yeah. And then you're going to say, it's like, oh, yeah, he was all-time point scorer in the uh, blah, 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 or something like that. It's like, oh, no, yeah, that's what no. people know about Wilt Chamberlain. What are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to point to Richard Gere as the one thing oh. people know about Richard, which I'm sure isn't true. No, it's not. You know, the one thing people know about... um um. Michael Douglas. What's the one thing people know about Michael Douglas? Well, that he got throat cancer from oral sex. And he was married to Catherine Zeta-Jones. Ah. How would... How would a woman giving a man oral sex <laughs> give the man throat cancer? No, he's giving his wife. <laughs> oh, oh. Like, did, she, did she blow it up into you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there's plenty of outtakes for this episode already, isn't there? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Season 8, Episode 5 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Paloma. Each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and b-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the song Drifting or Drift In, depending on, uh, I think, where you look. Uh, Anyway, talking about that song with return guest, friend of the show, Kevin Lassard. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Brandon and everybody listening at home on whatever date you are listening to this. Thank you so much for tuning in to my favorite podcast and my favorite Pearl Jam podcast. (laughs) 
Okay, that uh, I'll push a uh, accept on that or uh, send on that Venmo for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make that money. So yes, uh, the song uh, was featured on the 1999 fan club single. Uh, you know the one, the one with the uh, dope smoking Santa on the cover. That is the one, yeah. And Ed wrote the music and lyrics. I believe that recording he did it with Stone. Is that? I was going to ask that whether that was Stone or it sounded a little bit like Jack. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I think you're right because it's in the right channel. It kind of makes sense that it would be Stone. Yeah, I think they. I don't know what they were doing. They they were just in the studio, I guess, maybe making demos and recorded this for them too. It's a it's another great Pearl Jam harmonica song. <laughs> drifting, drifting, drifting away. I got myself a mansion, then I gave it. The world is heavy, just the things that you save, and I'm drifting, drifting away. Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. It's also in the uh, tradition of Leatherman, and off he goes, a song about checking out of society. Oh yes, yes. It always, it always seems to to come back to that around the uh, uber capitalistic. Uh, dimensions that have been added on to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Sort of a uh, attack or rejection of that materialism. Well, and I think materialism in general, not just Christmas materialism. Yeah, yeah. It, but it, it's sort of the, um, I don't know, the apex of that concept, I guess, is, is if you're going to point to an example of what that sort of represents all in one, you know, couple months around it is it's kind of like oh yeah look there if you want to see <laughs> yeah six months well, yeah, as, okay. yes as you as you apply uh, logistics and everything into it you know it, it really does uh <laughs> so um it's a really simple song in that sense three chords mm-hmm. following the same pattern pretty much the whole way through i think mm-hmm. i mean the the vocal the melody changes between the verse and i guess you'd call it a chorus mm-hmm. but i mean the the strumming pattern and the chord pattern is pretty much the same the whole way through yes there's also the uh the different versions the yep. original version from the fan club single has ed singing a lot lower mm-hmm. uh I, I i haven't thought about it i don't know if it's an octave or not probably um i found wikipedia says it's an octave okay yeah so that's so. i think that's why we're talking lower uh, it is. Like this, yeah. And then yeah, when, we start, when we start talking about the other version, that's when we'll uh, talk higher. And uh, yeah, exactly. that's how we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. So the beginning of this is the Christmas single version, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got to get those vocals warmed up and then you can, uh, it's easier to get higher. Yeah. So I did not get the Christmas single because, and this is a true confession here in 1999, I was not a 10 club member. Mm hmm. I assume you did because you were a 10 club member back then. Yeah. Yep. I got all, all of them from the, uh, the REM split. Happy when I'm crying yeah. from then on. I got, I was a, a member. So was it 
this song backed with Strangest Tribe, or was it Strangest Tribe backed with this song? Yeah, uh, I believe Strangest Tribe is the A side on that. Okay, it's a it's a A one Christmas single, really good mix. Two Christmassy songs. Uh, I don't know about Christmassy so much as sort of dark and wintry sounding, a la like uh, the Bon Iver uh, album where he recorded that in his cabin, his uh, his debut. Right. For Emma forever ago. Oh, wow. I can't believe I pulled that. Good job. Good job. <laughs> um, yeah, just sort of like a dark and you can kind of it sounds like everybody's kind of sitting in front of a fireplace, kind of just playing mm-hmm. guitar, just hanging out. Yeah. Smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> drifting, drifting along like snow drifts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, uh, or just being blown on the wind like a snowflake. Oh, so deep. Um, so are we going to discuss whether or not there is a g in the title of the song oh let's see the in the liner notes it looks like a g drifting mm-hmm. i see that also yes and uh ed says in this song uh i sometimes wonder why there isn't a tps r us yeah yeah so i guess uh ed and stone just kind of threw it together and matt bales was there and uh pushed record on it yeah and this would have been Roughly the yield slash binaural sessions. Yeah, well, this is his uh, post yield after the yield tour, I believe, uh, as right. Matt is joining them. Right. Yeah. So it makes sense that I like the song because that's sort of for me peak Pearl Jam that that yield to binaural era. Yeah, real sort of right at the uh, the liminal time of where I guess is a lot of the the delineation of the groups of albums that people like. They either really like the sort of yield, uh, Vitology, you know, the first couple right. albums. And then some people are kind of like the, Oh no. Yeah. Binaural and, and yield and avocado are sort of, you know, yeah, kind of the, the first five, second five split. Yeah. When the, when the younger siblings began to uh, listen to the band. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a, like you say, it is a, um, I wouldn't say it's a repudiation of the uber capitalist kind of go get them thing so much as it is Ed just kind of saying, not for me. Mm-hmm. Like he's not really saying anything bad about the suit coats. He's just saying, this is what they do and I'm out. It's kind of the impression I get from it. In their way, my road it may be lonely just because it's not paved. It's good for drifting, drifting away. Yeah, just sort of, I guess, uh, as you're getting into the decline of your uh, time on contract, it's just sort of, you know, you see everybody with the money and kind of doing their thing, and you're just kind of like, oh man. All you got to do is do this and do that. And, you know, you can be the biggest band in the world. You can, you know, yeah. have a whole bunch of money and be in sort of a, what's the cost though? Mm-hmm. What's the true cost, even though I'm the one getting paid? Yeah. And I feel like it, I sort of get the impression that it's kind of an answer to the question. A lot of questions, you know, like, why don't you guys do videos anymore? Mm-hmm. Or why aren't you trying to be in the spotlight? Like this is, this song is sort of Ed's answer to that lingering question from the era to Pearl Jam of, you know, why aren't you guys trying to be more relevant? Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of saying, we're doing us. Yeah. And then they go and do 
Binaural, which is like one of their, I think as uh, we won't uh, spoil, but possibly just foreshadow uh, how this episode will end. But uh, it's on a lot of lower on a lot of people's uh, lists of their albums. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't like the binaural production of it all. And it kind of draws away, I think, from the uh, the songwriting or so. It's kind of like, oh, we can kind of play around with the song and it's a, or the sound. It's a little bit of gimmick as opposed mm-hmm. to. I guess some might say writing better songs or something like that if they feel that way. Well, and it's not, I mean, I know this is supposed to be a Lost Dogs episode, <laughs> but going back to Bionarl, it's not like they didn't write great songs. Here on no, Lost yeah. Dogs, there are a couple of songs from that that era that would have, you know, a lot of people feel like made that, made that album Bionarl a lot more catchy, a lot more, it would have led to a lot of people ranking Bionarl higher. Mm-hmm. And it was a deliberate choice on their part to leave those off. So it's not its not like they said, oh, we'll do this gimmicky thing and we don't have to write good songs. It's like, well, we wrote these good songs, mm-hmm. but fuck it. We're going to go with this instead. Yeah, we got a new member. We kind of have a new lease on life. Let's kind of see what's out there. Let's start to open the possibilities as opposed to just jump back on the train at the same station. And in that sense, Lost Dogs is kind of... I mean, because there's a lot of Lost Dogs songs from that era. Mm-hmm. And so Lost Dogs is kind of the, the like, here's the binaural you could have had admission. Yeah, I think just, uh, you know, having Matt in the band kind of spurred everybody to be kind of like, okay, you know, let's let's try to crank up the difficulty and uh, and get to the big dogs. The You know, let's open up for his abilities, what he's able to mm-hmm. do as a drummer and kind of explore that sound, that avenue and see where it takes us Mm -hmm. and that's i think a really interesting thing about going through lost dogs and especially if you're going through it with the liner notes and kind of seeing some of the insight into these songs like sweet lou (laughs) sweet lou was a yield song no no it was it was uh it was around this time it was by gnarly right act time i believe yeah i mean why was that not on an album I think I think I think so far every episode that I've recorded in Lost Dogs has mentioned Sweet Lou in one way or another. <laughs> it kind of represents the yeah. the spirit or the uh, failure of what Lost Dogs entails. Is kind of like oh you know some some stuff oh you wonder why it was left off an album and then other stuff you're like oh yeah that's if that's the kind of stuff that they have as b-sides maybe i don't need to uh go in and deep dive into every little corner of their uh of their vault yeah sometimes you've got to trust their judgment <laughs> sometimes you have a harry the prick boy that you uh put in as a hidden track God, harry the prick boy. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't talk about no. it <laughs> Do we Ooh, even, maybe that'll be a little hidden track at the end of this. Ooh. Do we ever even tell Harry that we recorded that? I, he has to know. <laughs> I don't know. Because he, he had a copy of it. Yeah. I don't think I was uh, as devious enough to leave that track off of the copy that I gave him. Although it does sound like something I would do just to, <laughs> to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Even if he has a copy, has he ever listened to it all the way through? Yeah. <laughs> Written on the Cookie Monster piano, and mm-hmm. anyway, I think uh, we've uh, weaved off of we we went <laughs> drifting along <laughs> down memory lane. Yeah, yeah. So, it, but with the tangent I feel like we were heading towards mm-hmm. is 
should this have been on an album besides Lost Dogs? I feel like no. I feel like Christmas Single is about where this thing belongs and Lost Dogs, if you think of it as a collection of B-sides and Christmas singles, this is kind of where this belongs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it does have a sort of maybe proto soon forget feel yeah i guess if you if you put it into in into that consideration yeah but soon forget i feel like has more of a place on an album because with the ukulele it's a little more gimmicky Mm -hmm. whereas this would have disappeared into the background if it had been on binaural or riot act or Mm -hmm. one of those it just gets lost in the noise yeah whereas yeah soon forget is kind of like oh here I am. You can't ignore me. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for disagreeing on that. That made that conversation <laughs> short. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's kind of crap. There's the yes and. I, I didn't go to Second City. I'm sorry, Kevin. UCB shut down. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. <laughs> uh, one, one other fact about the song is that Ed says that he wrote it on the back of an airplane ticket uh, as he was driving to Neil Young's house. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That is cool. Yeah, I believe that's in the uh, Pearl Jam 20 book, I think. I don't have bibliographies on the show. I don't, uh, you know, I don't put in my sources. Right. You don't have like a whole list of sources at the end of every episode. No, I want to make it seem like this is all coming off my dome. And I'm uh... <laughs> that's, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, these are all that's original the facts. These are. But then again, uh, if I get something wrong, then I can't be like, oh, but that's where I got it from. It's like, no, but it's like, eh. It can all be bullshit. That I'm Power the edit. Yeah. <laughs> if you get something wrong, just go back and re-edit the episode and put it back <laughs> up without that in there. Yeah, that's what I do. Well, no, that's what I do as I'm editing, I think. I don't go back. And yeah. If it's in the past, what's in the past is in the past. We're just drifting dr- drifting along. Yeah, just drifting along. Um, why do you think they changed the vocal track? Do you think that oh, Ed now or- we got to start talking higher? Is this the part where... Uh- <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you... Do you think that Ed re-recorded the vocal track for Lost Dogs, or do you think that they just had another take that I, they liked better? I think he did probably several takes on it because um, there's like the other sort of far away kind of stuff in the backgrounds and everything mm-hmm. like that. So he probably did. I assume I assumed that was also Stone. Oh, okay. Well, possibly. Drifting, drifting, drifting away. I got myself a mansion and I gave it. The world it's heavy just the things that you save and I'm drifting drifting away drifting 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 I read myself a worries and my worries went on I only run when I want to and I sleep like a dog I'm drifting drifting that was my assumption but yeah probably just the different takes and then kind of was kind of like oh, i don't know how i'll sound which one i like and then you know in this one he liked the other one and then you know when they put on lost dogs mm-hmm. like they did with some other stuff and play different versions of it play around with different tracks that kind of i think did it with this one too yeah and then of course take off the uh the merry christmas at the end which is on the fan club single but not on uh lost dogs merry christmas. maybe that's why they changed vocal tracks yeah, possibly. Oh, yeah. If you just put, if you just take out that yeah. whole track, I think that's the one where it says "Merry Christmas" because his voice is kind of low, uh, like the rest of the song. Yeah. Oh. See, we solved the mystery. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
And then the other note that I had on this is the discrepancy between PJ's stat tracker and the Pearl Jam website on the number of times this has been played live. Mm-hmm. PJ Strat- Stat Tracker lists six times, and Pearl Jam's website lists seventeen. I'm assuming. And that- on Live Footsteps, it has it at eight. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, it's probably. Uh, I believe uh, Pearl Jam's website counts Ed Solo uh, performances, I, whereas the other ones don't. That is my assumption as well. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, he's done this uh, one or two times before. I think he's done this before a set that uh, Pearl Jam would play, like the kind of thing or play a song before the uh, mm-hmm. opening band plays or something like that. Yeah. And the live versions that I found, of course, are all faster because that's what Pearl Jam does live. <laughs> and all of the live versions I found have been Ed by himself. I hadn't found, I didn't find any where the, the sort of background slide guitar is included. Yeah, that'd be kind of nice to hear. So yeah, I think we we're here at the end, right? We've kind of broken I, it all I down. Think, I think so too. A lot more than anybody yeah. else might have. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could have gone line by line through the song, but mm-hmm. I feel like the meaning is pretty transparent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, let's wrap this up. Uh, Kevin, people know a lot about you. Uh, they know how you got into Pearl Jam. They know what Pearl Jam means to you. Uh, one thing I, I don't think anybody knows yet, though, is what is your ranking of Pearl Jam's albums? Well, I think a lot of people that you've already asked this have said the same thing. And I will say I will qualify my answer as well by saying this, of course, changes often. So this is a snapshot of my ranking right now. And of course, there's parts of this that don't change over time and parts that do. Um, I included Lost Dogs. I debated whether or not to include it, but I decided since we're doing a Lost Dogs track, it would have been cheating to not rank Lost Dogs as well. So um, what is it you always say? As the numbers get smaller, the hits get bigger. So we'll start that's at... What, that's what Casey Kasem said. I'm giving you credit for that. You created that. <laughs> I don't want to take away from Casey Kasem. He, you know, he he was shaggy. You know. Oh, that's true. That's true. We'll give him that. So yeah, starting, and he at, didn't, and, and 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 there's that great clip of him uh, with the uh, talking about the dead dogs, and you know, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so starting at number twelve, Lightning Bolt mm-hmm. is an album that just missed me. It just came out at the wrong time in my life. I wasn't really looking for new Pearl Jam, and when I got it, it wasn't really what I was looking for. Not that it's bad, it's just not for me. Um, followed by Backspacer, which was kind of in the same space in my life at that time. Again, not a bad album. Some tracks on there I really like, some tracks that I go back to over and over, but uh, just not one of the top 10. So into the top 10, and coming in at number 10, I've got Avocado which is an album that I actually really like. Like from 10 up are albums that I like all of them. I wouldn't throw any of them away. This is just, you know, when you're ranking things, something has to be last. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Avocado, a lot of tracks on there I like. It just isn't epic. And I sort of, as I was doing this ranking, I thought to myself, okay, if I could only have one Pearl Jam album, what would it be? If I could only have two Pearl Jam albums, what would they be? Ah. And I had to get to 10 before 
I said, yeah, avocado is the one I would take. Okay. Uh, the next one, number nine, is Lost Dogs. Uh, a lot of good stuff on Lost Dogs, and it sort of collects some of those B-sides and singles that you would normally have to go scouring to get in. But there's also a lot of dogs on Lost Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and I could probably... If I was stuck on a desert island with only eight Pearl Jam albums, I would not bring Lost Dogs. Coming in at number eight is Vitology, which is, I mean, Vitology has some of their biggest hits. It's a great album. It's one of the classic three, but there's just too much for me. And I love the weird stuff, but Vitology goes a little overboard. Mm -hmm. Coming in at number seven was Riot Act. Riot Act was one of the first albums that I listened to, and I was like, it's Pearl Jam, and I love it, but I don't love it as much as the albums that came before it. Like, yeah. I didn't... It, it was the first one that was kind of a step down for me. Coming in at number six, I've got No Code, mm -hmm. which is not, not at all a bad album. One of their... You know, a great album. An album that I love, but it's not special. It's just kind of a tidy little fun album. Coming in at number five, um, so we're now into the, the big boys here, the top five. Yeah. I've got 10, mm -hmm. which I was probably, if I was three years older than I am, 10 would probably be my number one. Mm -hmm. But because I was 11 when it came out, it wasn't, until I, it, was, it wasn't until much later and I was much older that I really appreciated 10. And so it, it takes a hit probably unfairly just because of my age. Yeah. Number four, and this is a ranking that I think is going to be a little controversial, and it's probably one that over time will change. Uh, at number four, I have Gigaton. Uh, mostly, I think, because it's, I, I rank it so high because it's so fresh in my mind. Recency bias. Yeah, recency bias. There isn't, with all the other albums, we know kind of how the songs turn out live, what songs they do a lot live, what songs they don't. And because I don't have the benefit of that at this point, it's I can sort of assume that all of these songs are going to be great live. And so that in increases the ranking. And it just came out at a time, you know, right as the pandemic and the lockdowns were happening, where I had the opportunity to really live in an album that I hadn't had since I was in university. Yeah. So that's number four. Coming in at number three, a lot of people's number one, I assume, versus great album could easily have been number one for me. A lot of great tracks on it, really tidy, well put together, a lot of live standards coming out of that one. Number two, um, again, any one of these, these last three could have been number one. Number two is Yield, uh, a really great album. I actually was just listening to it all the way through the other day just to have something to listen to and was amazed all over again at, you know, the track placement, the mixing, everything on that, that album is really top notch. And then coming in at number one for me, I don't think I've made a secret about this. I don't think this will ever change. My number one Pearl Jam album is Binaural. It came out right at the time in my life when I was most influenced by music. It is Matt Cameron's first album, so it's special in that way. A lot of my favorite tracks come off of Binaural. I know that it's gimmicky. I know that they left some great tracks off of it and left some less than great tracks on it. Uh, but despite all of those things, it just hits me in a way that, that will always bring me back 
to some of the best times of my life. And so that including the one week you spent going to see six shows on that tour. Uh, no, we did that on the Riot Act tour, my friend. Was it? Oh, yes. then I guess it was me and oh, that was me and Harry then. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, that was you and Harry. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> just edit that, that out. out. That's fine. Yeah. Oh fuck! Oh, yeah. Kevin, I'm sorry, dude. Oh no, you and Harry yeah. are just uh, super replaceable for me. I mean, I didn't mean to say that out loud. Oh shit. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. Whatever. As long as me and John Farrar aren't super replaceable, that's. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, John. I love you. Please, no feud. <laughs> um. So yeah. So yeah, there's your that's, that's your top, my top 10. ten. And like I say, if you ask me again in a week, it might be different except for probably the number one and the number 11 and 12. <laughs> and so, you know, if we don't include Lost Dogs, if you think that's uh, heresy, then, you know, just take that out of the listing and then you have, you know, the orders of oh, name. Or... No, no, no. If you, if you don't include Lost Dogs, the entire list is different. Oh, it does? Yeah. yeah oh, wow. Oh, it's like a, Jen- it's like, a, like a Jenga tower, I see. Oh, okay. It is, yeah. Everything yeah. shifts without Lost Dogs. Because then I've got to <laughs> think about... You know, I've got to think about how I perceive Riot Act in light of not being able to listen to Dirty Frank. <laughs> oh, okay. I see. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show, Kevin. It's always good to uh, to catch up in the couple of minutes that we, uh, uh, before, before, we uh, before we start the show for real. Yeah, we've got to. And then I guess talking to you before the show too. Then. Yeah, no, we've, we've got to catch up more often brandon i yeah thank you brandon thanks kevin love you thanks for coming on yeah the better brand podcast is produced by listenuprino.com and brandon Pallone and published using a creative commons attribution share alike 4.0 license please visit creativecommons.org or email listenuprino at gmail.com for more details all music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to support this podcast, you can either go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P or patreon.com slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Kevin and as always, this is Brandon saying, I don't know, March, trying is the first step towards failure.
Thank you.